Welcome to Crazy Stupid Love with me, Barnaby Slater. In Crazy Stupid Love, my guests come armed with something they'd like to discuss to do with their relationship, love, or sex lives, and then, simply, we talk about it. Before we get started, just a reminder that if you haven't already, please do subscribe or follow the podcast and leave us a rating and comment in Apple Podcasts. It would be a huge help. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd like something discussed on Crazy Stupid Love, please email crazystupidlovepod at gmail.com and do give us a follow on Instagram at crazystupidlovepod. But my guest today is Flora. Hello, Flora. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you, it's, all things th- considered. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I always tell my audience uh, where we are, so we're in my flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, I live in the Barbican, you're quite keen on the Barbican, you were saying. Uh, yeah, I am keen for various reasons, but I did go to school around here. That's so right. I have a lot of memories in this concrete, a lot of evil and good memories. So little, yeah. little nooks and crannies you found in the Barbican complex. Yeah, not related to sex or love. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had sex in the Barbican. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it, exams, exam related memories. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. So what would you like to discuss in the realm of crazy, stupid love, Flora? Um, yeah, what would I like? Well, yeah, everything to do with love for me has either been crazy, stupid. What was the other one? Crazy stupid love. Crazy stupid or love. (laughs) (laughs) It's been love. Um, Actually, probably love is the one thing it hasn't been, but it's definitely been crazy and stupid. Like every single thing I've done has been crazy and stupid, but most of them I can't talk about on here because Mm -hmm. they're actually too intense to make me sound like a psycho. And also I think being single and doing a podcast is quite um, vulnerable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think if I was like married or in like a long-term relationship, I'd tell like the most embarrassing story right but i have to play my cards quite slyly when you're saying okay. i think i don't know if that i don't know i mean i feel like obviously i would say this because i want you to tell the greatest story you've got but um <laughs> i wonder whether people who are in long-term relationships and married actually would hold back on some of those stories if they hadn't told their partners oh yeah that's probably a reason they haven't told them it after all that time i think it's because these days when you're dating if you do stuff online, people can look you up mm-hmm. and it's really, really, um, like when I'm on apps, people are like, oh, I've seen your stuff on like Twitter. Mm. That's like their opening line. And then I'm suddenly like, oh God, I've got to be really careful about what I, like what if I really like someone and they found a podcast of me telling this like debasing story. That's true. And also because you are a performer, so that's an extra thing. Your, your, what you just said about apps actually just reminded me of a story where I saw... I matched with Dolly Alderton on oh, one of nice. the apps a few years ago. Now, I will caveat this with, of course, it could potentially have been someone pretending to be Dolly Alderton. Mm. But at the time, I was working with um, Dolly Alderton's boyfriend. <gasps> and sh- I knew that she was doing a relationship column at the time. So I think I just wrote to Dolly Alderton, I'm pretty sure you're just matching with people to have dating stories for your dating <laughs> column and then I got unmatched very quickly now I don't know whether that was really Dolly Alderton or not but I guess that is an example of you know if you're on apps and you're somebody who's a performer or in her case a journalist um there's there's definitely the the possibility of it being more trouble than it's worth yeah no that sounds that sounds like you caught her out but she's definitely far more prolific than me I I just every now and then get people saying stuff like that but that is and what what do are you disappointed when someone says that um, or you, is your ego boosted slightly? 
I guess it's it's confusing because I actually find a lot of the stuff I do quite reprehensible and shit. <laughs> I just have I have quite a lot of self loathing. Right. Um, do you mean your performance stuff? Yeah. Or, I, right. There's not. I'll never be happy with anything I do, even though I like doing it. It's really confusing. So it just. I That's some, why you are a performer, though, because yeah. all performers are like that. It's the <laughs> the age old, you know, the whole room is laughing, but you see the one person who isn't. Yeah, exactly. So then I I suddenly think it's like they kind of they've kind of got something on me, or like they might have a pre judgment of me when when we meet when actually I'd rather just like go for a beer and be like hey yeah. but then that sounds so deaverish when actually it just hasn't happened like that much at all I think it's especially fascinating because I certainly know some male performers who have basically and I'm not talking about comedians necessarily because we're in we're both in the kind of comedy industry to some degree and um but I'm talking more like kind of people I've known who have been kind of singers who have definitely been like I'm hoping that I'm in their words, make it basically so girls will see me and want to go out with me. Mm. There's no self-loathing there at all. It's the opposite, in fact. Yeah, though that's really true. I guess I don't know. Also, if it's comedy and you're a girl, and let's let's say people do find you funny, I always pre- presume they they don't. I, again, it's a real. But let's say they find you funny. A lot of times, boys don't like that, so it's like their thing to be funny. That has come up. Yeah. In, in this podcast, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It has. Um, one of my guests was talking about how uh, a guy they were with, um, yeah, didn't feel comfortable with them being funny. And then I told a story about a, a good friend of mine who's kind of a, she's a singer and has had s- quite a lot of kind of cult success in bands and as a as a solo act now. She basically talks a lot to me about how men won't be with her because she's too funny. Wow. <laughs> I mean, is she sure that's the reason? She's very sure that that's the reason. <laughs> Because you never know, like that could be a lie you tell yourself, like, oh, I was just wisecracking so much and actually like you stink. That's true. I mean, but she she is a very, very funny uh, woman. Um, And she's quite also like, if you see her on stage and as a performer, she's pretty and I would say she I could see how she could be intimidating to a man. Mm. And I wonder whether potentially it's as much about the men in this case being intimidated um, as it is about whether they want. Uh, whether they find her too funny or not but a- absolutely i'm i'm with it that uh, a lot of men do see being funny as their thing for sure yeah it's not even like oh i've seen you do something on twitter or whatever it's like when you're on a date let's say with someone who doesn't care about any of that or hasn't seen any of that which is most people but um it's it's just a really weird dynamic if you try and be funny and they don't like it mm. it's just like you're greeted with like nah, a really blank face and then you can see them just having a double... Doesn't that naturally mean, though, that the connection's not quite there? No, exactly. So it's not mm. even to do with the... Yeah, I sometimes think it's like, oh, you just don't jealous people. Mm. But um, I definitely don't... I think men become more attractive to women when they're funny. Definitely. And it takes a certain type of man to be attracted to a woman when she's funny. And they are the best ones. So, like, in terms of quality... The type of people that are drawn to you if you're a funny woman are like amazing. Because mm. if your thing was like being a really hot woman, like you'd get so much shit coming your way that you wouldn't be able to filter it out. But actually men who like funny women are like the best men. So That is uh, what you've just said, though, is to angle it as though you can't be both really hot and really funny. That's um, how it came across anyway. I think you I've said always... You said the words, if your thing is. <laughs> so does that mean, is that like, is that how if somebody's thing on social media is you're really hot rather than you're doing funny stuff I don't know yeah I mean most people on social media are doing like the hot thing 
So they are. That's true. That's sort of the point of Instagram. I mean, we are. Yeah. Yeah. We are, yeah. <laughs> you are a stunning example of that, obviously. And it's like you know, when you watch Love Island, you see those Love Island people talk about the DMs they get, and it's like constant, obviously, because being hot is yeah primitive point of life. But I don't think people see funny in the same way as that. Um, it's interesting. It's difficult because I often think like in order to be funny, you have to sacrifice the being hot thing like as part of it. Like when you're when you're doing things and you're really trying hard to look good, it means that you're going to take something away from what you're doing. You've got to be really like vulnerable and just go for it. Yeah, um, that goes with my theory on um, how comedians should never have plastic surgery or like be buffed up. So, for instance, when Steve Martin had plastic surgery, I was like, Steve, no. What are you doing? Like, you looked like you were 70 when you were 25. Mm. And that was one of the good things about you. So then when you became kind of 70 and you started having plastic surgery, it just kind of take it, for me, it took away. What about Joan Rivers though? Well, Joan Rivers (laughs) is just hilariously funny in such a kind of rare, dark way anyway, that I I feel like those things can be taken apart. But the one that I was thinking of actually, and he's a lovely boy, I haven't seen him for years, but he's always a lovely boy, is Joel Domit. I'm always like with Joel, like, wow, did you really need to like pump yourself up like that and get all those tats and become like almost like a comedian? You know, he's obviously still does comedy, but he's like more to look at now, it seems. Yeah. And a presenter. I don't know. I think that- He's very good at everything he does. I do want to say Yeah, I think probably part of it is like his brand now. It's like, oh, he's the fit comedian. Yeah. And he's an influencer, I guess, as well, because of it as well. Yeah. But Joan Rivers' plastic surgery, I actually really like. I think it's like a real commitment to the bit. Like, because all her- comedy is so much about like female self-loathing and feeling really ugly feeling like the ugliest child and like it's it's like she's become almost like a a piece of performance art with like how much she's gone for it with like this weird creepy new york uptown woman who hates herself and it's all made manifest in her what she looks like it it completely works with her comedic persona so we can we know what you're going to look like when you get towards your (laughs) 70s and 80s and also did she not die at her plastic surgeon yes commitment to the bit that is very committed to the bit absolutely (laughs) um so uh great chat we've got into the comedy realm but i have to bring you back to what is the what is the what is the story it doesn't have to be embarrassing what is the story that you settled on in terms of crazy stupid love the one i settled on was from when i was at uni and i was in a relatively long distance relationship in that my boyfriend went to a different uni okay what university were you at i was at manchester Mm -hmm. and he went to oxford so so. you'd met while at school yeah yeah um young love yes young stupid very stupid love probably the relationship i most regret in my life but not at the point at the time i was devastated that you know he went to a different uni like whereas these days People have relationships from like America to London, but I was mm. like, oh my God, he goes to Oxford. So it meant that we had this, we sort of could only see each other every two weeks, every month. And you'd been together how long, sorry? We'd probably not been together that lot. We'd been friends for a long time, but uh, I'd had a gap year mm. and he hadn't. So She said that with irony, just yeah. so you know. Just, I just, had an ironic so gap year, guys. It was, a gap, <laughs> it was a gap year, not just a very posh. I was going around the world with a little smirk on my face, knowing how ironic it was to be on this gap year. <laughs> I wasn't doing it sincerely, and that's the difference. Um, and then I... So, yeah, he'd gone to uni the year before me. So I, I had been well aware of the whole situation whilst, like, drunk in Laos or whatever I knew what I was going to expect when I got back you were in Laos it really was a gap year it really was yeah were you on the tubes 
I did tube, yeah, but it's actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are only stories I've heard. I've never done yeah, one. Yeah, apparently it's all been shut down now. But yeah, I heard Bambiang, that. that was, it was so stupid. That was crazy and stupid as a place. Like people, sw- like just loads of posh English wasted kids just... The, the swings were so dangerous, just jumping off ropes yeah. on, into rocks. No health and safety. Absolutely none. This one girl like landed on so many rocks and then all these Lao men from the bar were like picking her up. It was oh, God. It's like a war zone. You, you probably had to have another beer just to forget about it. I yeah, no, good, good times actually. Um, <laughs> so, so you went on the gap year and he went to university. Yeah. So at that point, it must have been pretty difficult for him, I would have thought. Well, actually, I tell a lie. We had been friends before then. We weren't going out while I was on my gap year. Good. Leaving me ro- to free it. to roam the globe. <laughs> Fuck and suck my way across the world. <laughs> oh, there's the social media clip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I had fun on my gap year, sure. Um, but. And were you in contact with him throughout, even though you had just been friends? Was it, were you like thinking about him? That's what I'm asking, I guess. Um, a little bit, but no, I, I'd, I'd, yeah, I, I was having my own fun. Good. Let's put it that way. Let's just put it that way. Good. Um, but the point of this story is that I'm a really chaotic person. I'm really um, messy. I was late to get here today. You were. I, w- I, I forgive I, you. I just, I just, I'm a complete mess as a person. So on one of the days that I said I'd go to Oxford, it was a Friday, and I was like, oh shit, I haven't booked my train ticket. This has been on my mind this whole time. I've been really looking forward to seeing him. And then... I realised I hadn't updated my young person's rail card. And then I got to the station. I just couldn't afford the train from Manchester to Oxford. And then I called him and I was like, I can't afford the train. And then he was like, oh no, but I guess we'll see each other another time. And like, I was not okay with that at the time. (laughs) What did you want him to say? How long, sorry, how long had you been together at this point then? It was early days. It'd probably been like nine months. Nine months, okay. But we had been friends before then. But I was like, no, I pro- looking back on it, it was probably because I didn't really enjoy my first year of uni that much. And I was relying too much on these weekends as like the highlight of my calendar instead of just committing to uni. Um, and how often were these weekends where you'd see him? Like once a month or once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But I was, I think my brain, it wasn't like I wasn't accepting what he was saying. I was more just like, no, I like there's no, I do have to see you though like that's that's what's going to happen and I'll make it happen so I looked up all the ways to get to Oxford discovered um obviously the next option I could just get the coach but I had to get the coach with a stopover so I got on a coach at like 11 at night um and then stopped over in Birmingham was it a megabus megabus yeah it was a nice little cocktail of megabus and national express nice um also i was editing a video on that megabus um it was one of my first videos i ever edited for youtube and it was just a compilation of um my clips of my dogs behaving weirdly Mm -hmm. and the title was funny dogs (laughs) really high art you nailed the clickbaity seo that yeah (laughs) yeah funny dogs was really interesting actually ahead of its time but um people often complain about the people on megabuses like it's like oh the people you get on the megabus are so annoying. Yeah. But I was there like editing my video and I had my headphones in and I added Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baha Men. Yeah, classic. Yeah, because that's a great soundtrack for yeah. that song. Uh, for that, that for Funny Dogs. Yeah. And it's I, the only soundtrack yeah. actually, really, isn't it? Think <laughs> it's about like, it. you know, how um, uh, Mike Myers wouldn't do Wayne's World without um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. It's yeah. like Funny Dogs needed um, 
but Harmen's who let the dogs out. I was like really getting annoyed at everyone else on the megabus being like, oh, they're all eating smelly food and being really loud and being really annoying. And then I realized very far into my journey to Birmingham that um, my headphones hadn't actually been in. And <laughs> <laughs> you've been blaring out who let the dogs out. Exactly. On full. Like I was by far the most annoying oh, person yes, on that megabus. <laughs> and also, it wasn't just who let the dogs out because with editing, it's like constantly going backwards and forwards. Yeah. So it was more like a who let the. Who let the dogs out? Who let, who let, who and, let the dogs out? And nobody out? said anything to you. No, because that's, that's normal for the megabus. <laughs> and because we're British. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you, you spend the whole journey resenting everyone else and then you get to the end, you're like, every, everything everyone did was so much better than any, than me. I was the and, problem. And maybe everything I've ever thought in my entire life is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But the stopover was in Birmingham but there wasn't a bus from Birmingham to Oxford until like four in the morning. This is incredible commitment to this person. Well, yeah, I think it was, maybe it's probably just to sex. Incredible well. commitment to this person, sex, your disappointment at your first year at university, getting out of there. Yeah, like the need comfort. for escape. Yeah. Um, I, it's like sometimes we package up like the pursuit of love in these romantic ways, but actually it's like, maybe I was just really horny. Yeah. <laughs> like, but not, thankfully not so horny that you're thinking about it on the megabus oh uh, yeah funny dogs was distracting me you know that's <laughs> people often prioritize their art or their love and i had a lovely mixture of both i'm hoping that i do this podcast for long enough where at some point i get a guest who has had sex on the megabus that's, <laughs> that's one of my achievable goals for this podcast. yeah i guess if i had been horny enough i could have been like look, just get on the megabus and have sex with everyone else and then go back to uni. But uh, sadly, I was too honourable. This Birmingham stopover sounds dangerous to me. You're going to tell me some dangerous stuff. Well, it wasn't dangerous, but it was like, as however old I was, I think 20 or 20, yeah, I was 20. Being alone in Birmingham coach station for like five hours isn't advisable. It's not like you'd recommend that to your daughter. Mm. But there I was. (laughs) And it was really, really weird. It wasn't dangerous per se. It was like just weird things were happening and I really didn't want to miss my um, connection. So I really was trying to like force myself to stay awake. I just started watching Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So I was really trying to like get the Wi-Fi to work to watch Breaking Bad. And also to point out, he didn't know I was coming. So I hadn't said, oh, I'm going to get a coach and come anyway. He just said, oh, I guess we can't see each other. And then we stopped speaking, so... Had you run out of battery on your phone, or...? I think part of me was... A, my phone is always out of battery, so very potentially. But I also think part of me was like, this is going to be so fucking romantic. Yeah. I'm going to fucking go. Yeah. I'm going to get... And then, you know, when you see that the only option is for there to be a stopover, you're like, well, that's even more romantic. Yeah, it is, like, yeah. It's not just getting one bus. Okay, so we're in the... We are in the Birmingham We're coach in the Birmingham station. station. It's you've, you've managed to not fall asleep. I've managed to not fall asleep. I'm probably highly vulnerable, but in that really beautiful state of like the young where you just don't feel it at all. Um, then I got on the coach mm. to Oxford after this stopover, but I found the stopover really intense, like romantic space. Like the, the romantics also really liked sort of like the liminal world and like dawn and dusk and like, changeovers and crossovers like as a time so i just found it all very like intoxicating and romantic this like weird 
in between space and it also being in like the middle of the night it was adding to your romantic vision of of this trip you were going on that your boyfriend didn't know you were going exactly. on exactly and it you know the middle of the night i don't mean like night out when it's like night time and everyone's out but like after that before mm. morning it's a really strange time the witching hour yes yeah, it was the witching hour mm. and i was in the witching hour in birmingham and it felt intense and then finally i had to get on the next bus and then it was pouring with rain and I remember thinking really clearly, like, this is so epic of me. Like, so epic. It was like me and the driver of this mega bus. No, the second one, sorry, National, was National Express. Express. Yeah. yeah, correct. Um, hardly anyone on the bus. It was pouring with rain. Like, the windscreen wipers were, like, going really intensely. Birmingham to Oxford, not that long a journey. So doable. Like, I was, like, getting that post being tired, like, adrenaline rush where you're like, oh, my God, like, I could do anything. And then I arrived in Oxford and that's such a beautiful city and so many old towers and I was like, and old colleges and buildings. And I was like, oh my God. And it was, again, the witching hour there. So there's a lot of witching hours in yeah. the day. But um, no, it was kind of dawny, presumably. Like it was the just sun before coming dawn. Up. I remember right. really having that thought of like, there isn't sun, but like, it's, it's like everything is dead. Like, there's not a peep. And it's not even dangerous. It's like, even the dangerous people would have got tired by now. It was like the dead of night. It was just before the light is coming up. And it's such a romantic, again, romantic. Everything's romantic about the landscape, the cityscape. And it was still raining. And I was just like fighting my way to his college. And I... I you were in a Richard Curtis film. Yeah. <laughs> I was in one, of the early, one of the early ones. Yeah, I was in his life. Not in yeah. his... <laughs> um, but I was at this point where you're so like manic you're like enjoying how crazy the decision was can I just ask quickly had it crossed your mind that he might be asleep and wouldn't be able to let you in any of these kind of logical thoughts no I no none of these things I was like I kind of thought because of the stopover by the time I get there it will be light but it the 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 journey from Birmingham to Oxford is not long Mm. so I was like oh I'm actually here in the dead of night when I thought I'd be here like dawn and then, the, you know, those Oxford colleges are so massive and you had, went to quite an old one. So it was completely locked. Like normally you can just walk in, but right. at night they are locked. Right. And I remember this really epically because the door was massive, like a church door, like wooden, like really, really, like four times my height, maybe five. I had to like pound on the massive old door. You needed the back end of a sword really to, yeah. <laughs> to do it with, yeah. I really thought I could just walk straight in. But I couldn't, and it was pouring with rain. I had Romance always trumps logic. That's 100%. the reality. None of these logical things have come into your mind, which is romantic in itself. And also, I did genuinely need like a place to shelter. Like it was pure survival instinct at that point because I was like, no one knows I'm in Oxford. It's the middle of the night. It's pouring with rain. Like I have to get shelter. So it was like, I will just do this. Fine. So I like slammed on the door with like, the side of my fist. Then a really grumpy porter opened the door. I was like, what the... F-? He didn't say that. He was much yeah. more polite. But his eyes said, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Because I think he thought it was, like, an emergency. Mm. Not some, like, dumb bitch from uni, like, trying to visit her boyfriend. <laughs> not some dumb romantic. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I was probably wearing, like, some really lame clothes. Or like, He was probably like, oh, students are so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and I also and didn't... he he would have been right in yeah. that case, in that instance. <laughs> and I didn't go to Oxford, so I... I can't, I actually can't work out how this happened, but like, I had to just be like, look, I'm not trying to con my way in. Like, I have a reason for being here. No, no one would be as crazy as this. Like, 
And I think probably because, I don't know, unconscious bias, I had like a posh voice. I was probably like, yeah, she probably does know someone here. So I was like, let me in. <laughs> my boyfriend, I have to see my boyfriend. He goes to this college. And had you been had you been to his college before so you knew where his room was and stuff? Yeah, yeah, right. I knew where it was, but the porter didn't know me. No. Like I was just a non Oxbridge Russell group <laughs> piece of shit to him. So I Russell was... Group something, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those of us who didn't even go to a Russell Group university. Oh right, yeah, no. So maybe you wouldn't I... have done the podcast if you'd known. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I guess I'm trying to think in terms of football teams, what Manchester what Manchester United, I guess. Manchester United now. Yes. Not Manchester yeah. United in its heyday. Um, so yeah he lets um, you in lets me in I go to his to the guy's room I know where he sleeps <laughs> I know where he sleeps but, um, I knew where he slept and there weren't there weren't because it's so old were there not kind of outside doors where you needed to have pin numbers or anything to get in it was like you were able to get to his actual door I'm trying to think I think I knew the code to like the, the, the sleeping area like the room the dorm the dorms yeah. and he did have his own room and I did I think I knew a code to get in from a previous visit. Found his door, was like, here we go, opened it, mm. and it was locked. And I was like, what? Like, why is it locked? Like, I was just thinking about such a fire safety issue. Um, so then I was so tired at this point, like all the adrenaline had worn off and I was just really grateful to be out of the rain. So I just fell asleep. But you must have knocked on the door. I did knock. Oh, sorry. You're so right. <laughs> Poirot. Yes. <laughs> David Suchet right <Yeah>. here. <laughs> I knocked on the door and he didn't answer is the hilarious end to that anecdote. But yeah, he didn't answer. But wait. So now this is where I'm putting my mind into your mind. My instinct then would have been he's not in his room. Um, I didn't think that actually, weirdly. I was basically slept, slept outside his room. And I was thinking, look, at the end of the day, he's just going to open the door in the morning and be like, oh my God, I didn't think I'd see Flora. Like, that is a beautiful thought. This is amazing. So mm. I was like, okay, I'm not going to get this moment of surprising him, but I'm going to get to fall asleep and he'll open his door on his way to brush his teeth and he'll see me. So I did that. But then what happened was his neighbor, roommate or whatever, mm, yeah. opened his door first and was like, Flora? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh. and Home, he was like homeless flora. Yeah, <laughs> and he was like, oh, nothing. Like he did, he wasn't even bothered. He was like, oh right, that was it. It was literally just an oh right, and then he went and brushed his teeth. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's fine. I'll just go back to sleep. And then finally, my boyfriend at the time, what what should we call him? Bill. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> We've now finally given him a pseudonym. Yeah, Bill <laughs> opened. A realistic pseudonym. For yeah. some reason, Flora and Bill, it's not working for me, but yeah, we're, we're going with Bill. I have a feeling, let's say Ben, the the friend, had like messaged Bill to be like, oh, Flora's outside your door, by the way. Well, then your phone must have been out of battery because, of course, the first thing you would have done is messaged him or called him when you were knocking yeah, on the door. Yeah, my phone is basically normally out of batteries. Okay. The, um, I think Ben had messaged Bill to be like, oh, by the way, your girlfriend's like asleep in front of your door. And then Bill opened his door, saw me, and I remember just waking up being like, oh my God, he's finally seen me. And he was just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and it, almost part of me would have preferred him to have had a girl, in, because of the level of like intense romantic feeling 
I had coursing through my body. I think I was actually in the mood to be heartbroken almost. Mm. Like that would have been a really good ending to be like, oh my God, and he was sleeping with another woman and everything I've ever felt and the way I feel and the level I feel of stuff is so justified. But he was just like, what are you doing here? Mm. And I was like, oh, I, I banged for ages. And he was like, yeah, but I wouldn't have heard you because I'm really hungover. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, look, I'm really like, I just got a headache. Can you just, what are you doing? It was like, it was so annoying to mm. him that I was there. Is there a chance at that point <laughs> that in reality, there was nothing he could have said that would have lived up to the necessary expectations you had based on the trip you'd taken, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. I'm not I, trying to defend no, no, no. his flippantness, by the way. Yeah. He I, should have put more effort in and thought about it. But there's a chance, I think, that maybe you could have read into his reaction, whatever it was, as not big enough. I agree. I, I, I agree. Even if he'd opened the door and been like, oh my fucking God. Marry me! <laughs> I would have been like, and all he did was ask to marry me. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Nothing would have been good enough. But this actually went along with quite a lot of his behavior, which at the time I didn't even question. But it's slightly one of those toxic relationships that, only when you're old and you look back you're like Flora that's so embarrassing that you like went across the country on two coaches you had this like intense liminal romantic space poetic moment in Birmingham or for someone who was who would just be like what are you doing here yeah it's like I used to do a lot of stuff like I I did plays at uni and like if he came to see a play he'd be like oh I don't know what to say it's kind of like it was really bad you know it's bad though right Mm. And it's like, you look back on it now as an adult and you're like, oh, I can't believe I just let, but I don't know if it's a male, female thing. It might just be a relationship thing. But when you're in a relationship like that, it's crazy. Like that's the crazy part of it is that you can't see how rude they are to you. And But also you were so young that you probably didn't know any different in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's really true. My boyfriend before had actually been worse. <laughs> <laughs> are they getting at least progressively better uh, yeah. or less worse yeah in that they don't exist that yeah. is <laughs> that's progress for me yeah um i think i was just so like oh i kind of almost was like oh i'm i'm sorry apologetic yeah oh, i'm sorry you're hung you're you're hung over how dare i i'm such let me get out of your way i'm so sorry and then like i think as his as the day wore on he was like but we just said we weren't gonna see each other and it wasn't like it was like, oh, you're not excited enough to see me. It was like none of the romanticism of what I'd done had like engaged him at all. Had this person shown, I'm going to guess the answer is no, based on the things you've said so far, but had he shown any level of romanticism prior to this? Um, was it in his nature, I guess is what I'm asking. To, was it in his nature to see any of that? It could be every now and then. I This was actually a really long time ago, so I don't actually really remember. But mm. I, I think he had done romantic things, maybe. No, no, no. He We're going to go with no. Yeah. And so what? So then it is an amazing story and, and it says a lot about you. I think you've given us a great insight into the chaotic mind of Flora, which is amazing. So I have to obviously ask how the relationship went from there. Oh, obviously I didn't even bat an eyelid. I was like... Oh, I'm so sorry I got in the way of your hangover. Mm. God, I can't wait for the wedding. Like, <laughs> in that way that when you're sort of in love with someone, you, you look past every... I mean, this is a really, like, mild example of it, but people look past so much 
bullshit. If you have that attachment, it's like a drug. It's so horrible. Um, How much other bullshit do you think you look past, like, more literally? With him or in general? With him. I think we can only stick to this example, this relationship, really. Yeah, no, he wasn't that bad. It, it was, it was, they were all minor things. I think it was like, again, going back to the sort of ego conversation. I think, I think men like being in relationships with women who don't have as big an ego as them. And they like explaining things. And they like teaching people things. And that's actually no, I've learned to not be offended by that. That's a sort of like sad thing about men. Um, Why do you think it's best for you to learn not to be offended by it rather than call them out on it? Because it's not, in the long run, it doesn't actually help you. It's like, what is the smartest thing you can do as a woman to deal with the fact that men always are going to want a younger girl who finds everything they say hilarious and loves to learn from everything and has massive boobs? Like, you can either be like, push against it all the time and be like always tweeting about how men are so annoying and da 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 and like always doing really sarcastic like guardian columns or whatever or you can be like well I just accept that's just what men are programmed to be like don't Mm. take it personally Mm. I'm just going to get on with my life that sounds really bleak but it's actually worked out quite well in me for me in the long run because when someone you're seeing someone and then they go off with someone with just like massive boobs who's like 21 and they're like much older you don't take it personally because you're like, oh, but that's just what they're like. Like, Of course you take men it personally. Men. A bit, but it's easier not to when it's not like a direct direct comparison between you and them. It's like, oh, no, but that is part of evolution, kind of. You can't really fight against it. Hmm. Um, and So do you think it's impossible that you would ever meet somebody where you were able to speak to them honestly about that stuff? A man, I mean. I think I think it's just straight. I think it's really subtle. Even with men who think they're progressive and who behave quite progressively, like in this relationship, for example, for example, like he was someone that would be like very feminist and would talk a lot to me at least because he was a year ahead of me at uni, like about all the stuff he'd learn about liberal feminism and would tell me to read Caitlin Moran, even though I hate Caitlin Moran and find her really annoying. But mm. he felt like, oh, I must know more about being a woman than Flora because I've read. This, like, yeah, so he's mansplaining you about being yeah, progressive, which yeah, of course is totally about contradictory. Judith Butler that I don't even care. I don't even think Judith Butler makes sense, but that's just personal opinion. So even when you're with someone like that, who thinks of themselves such a feminist, they will just just manage to undermine you quite a lot as a way for them to feel like they're the the one in control, mm. and that's a thing about them that they need to have. And sometimes the best thing you can do as a woman, and this sounds so regressive, is just to understand that. Hmm. and not take it personally and often just learn learn how to behave learn how to adapt to it that's how I found it so the reason I ask is kind of quite selfish because I know that so I would see myself as quite progressive the main reason I think though so is because I grew up pretty much on my own especially my teenage years with my single mum and so everything I know about women is from her but also my last two relationships last three relationships I've realized exactly what you were just saying is that even though I think I'm progressive, it's the stuff that I don't realize that I'm saying that is kind of societally ingrained in me. And I've been fortunate in that those people I've been in relationships with have called me out on it. Mm. And I still do it today. Like I still make those mistakes today. And I'm not even going to say like I just roll with the punches. I get defensive about it. I hate doing, I hate, I hate getting it wrong. I hate coming across as the bad guy. And sometimes I sulk. Mm. But... I also wouldn't change being called out on it because 
if I'd never been called out on it, I wouldn't be able to even have this conversation, probably. Um, and no, so, that's really true. I almost find... I still make those mistakes. I still fuck up all the time. Yeah, I think it's it's just difficult because if calling someone out all the time would change them, maybe I would do it. But actually, I just let... I also think I have a brain that, like, notices it all the time. Like, I, not- I notice it a lot, I think, from comedy because... And do you worry that will make you less attractive as a yeah. potential partner? Yeah. Right. Uh, because it's like... It's all just really subtle stuff. It's stuff that everyone says doesn't matter, but I notice it does still matter. Like, everyone's like, oh, well, I like a loud girl. I like a girl that's, like, interesting and has opinions. But if you actually watch how people behave, it it, it doesn't quite... Match up. Match up. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Yeah, so in terms of the calling out thing, I think if I felt really close to someone and they kept doing something that annoyed me, I'd be like, oh, by the way... Like I should say, I'm not even saying you should and that it's yeah. right necessarily. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate to your, you're saying, I don't, or I won't. I don't, I don't know if it's right either. I think, it's you know, I totally like, understand what you're saying. Yeah, I totally I think it's it. the fact that, like, I care. I don't want to get into this state as a woman of constantly being, like, a nag or, like, everything I say to be some kind of gender balance awareness thing all the time. It's just on a personal level. Like, that's not very funny. It's mm. not very fun women so often have a reputation of being humorless and it's so boring and actually you can kind of do things subtly that just are better and are funnier and are more aware that aren't just getting at someone Mm. it's like just making one comment that kind of sums it all up but like isn't getting at someone and just moves it on i'm intrigued to know how much you think then in these kind of terms in terms of relationships and situations like that how instinctive do you think you're able to be or how much is your mind always worrying in terms of what you should say when how you should react to something if because you said you know I'm always noticing these things Mm. but if you're always noticing but having to put a dampener on those things and it strikes me that potentially your instinctive intuitive way of being might be taken away a little bit as well which would be a bit yeah have I mutated myself um, I think I've actually gone in a way that's actually a lot worse, which is men are really competitive with each other, like mm. with jokes and stuff. And I, I just engage with them on that level. And I think I've lost a lot of romantic interest from just deciding to be in that friend zone boy mode. So instead of being like, hey, that's not fair. And then like pushing my boobs together or something. Or like a lot of people who are like really feminist and then do like a really feminist, but like I'm trying to look hot, like fashion thing. I'll just be more... I adapt, I've just got more into the habit of being more like boys and how they speak. And then that, that ultimately means that boys will kind of like you. Some of them are just like, go away. But they'll, but they'll make you platonic in their mind. Okay. And you just accept that. So you... I'm getting from this that you naturally as people do, naturally hang out with people that they work with. You naturally hang out with other performers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that does add a certain extra hate, to it. I hate because, that. Yeah, I, because I, I'm everyone's... I'm never attracted a, to comedians. Yeah, uh, and rightly so. They're yeah. mad as frogs and yeah. egotists. Um, it's like I see too much of myself in them. It's like all the things I hate about myself, I would never be drawn to. It's like I want to escape huh. those things as much as possible. Okay, so that leads me nicely into my <laughs> last question maybe last question which is what is the dream scenario then the dream scenario is someone that like 
someone you're best friends with that you really fancy. And I think a lot of people are on the way, like settling for one or the other. Hmm. Or not best friends, but for me, I just, ha- I'm, I'm so picky and that's a really big problem. But yeah, I, I really, are you talking about like, what's my dream person or what's my dream situation? Well, it's a purposely vague question, yeah. so you can answer it. I mean, I think you have answered it. And also I have to say, and I'm worried about coming across too samey, but the words picky and settling come across, come off, come up so often in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's just so interesting. Not in a negative way at all, yeah, by the way. When, I, I'm always, I always talk about it as I think it's a positive thing. When you meet someone that you like, it's like, um, it's amazing. But I've done a lot of dating in lockdown and there's just so many people that you're like, oh, would it be worth just having you around a bit longer? I'm not sure dating in lockdown counts as real. I, I, I mean, look, just because everything is intensified... Because if you want to actually see that person, you have to make a literal decision to break a law. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like even that, yeah. And maybe I guess you could see that as well. Maybe that's quite exciting in some ways. But also it's then, I've heard so many stories of people who are like, and then we moved in together three days later. And it's mm. like, I think the 22nd of June is going to be one of the biggest breakup days of all time, probably. Do you think? Well, maybe it's just my cynical nature, but... Yeah. People who've moved in together just to spend these lockdowns together and they probably all fucking despise each other, I would have thought. I thought maybe the opposite of they've been forced to spend the time normally in real world time you can string people along for so long but actually a lot of people who would have just been like sleeping with each other every now and then on the weekend and like maybe meeting up after work if they had the time are now living together and probably reaching a much better level of intimacy yeah but also i think that a lot of people will have been thrown together who aren't there and whatever and have been thrown together and just like well i don't want to be on my own Mm. for this lockdown time and then the pubs are going to open and they've lost a year and it's going to be like another baby boom. <laughs> wow. But possibly not with that. But that's just my cynical opinion. Because it could be kind of, you know how like a lot of arranged marriages are actually quite successful in the long run. Hmm. There's like, you know, how we all think we've got free loves and everything's great for us. But then there's cultures where there's an arranged marriage. And I mean, define successful. You mean they're together? They're long lasting. Yeah, they're together. exactly. I don't know the ins and outs, hmm. but you do hear reports... I just saw a woman talking about it being like, oh, everyone acts like just having random sex and not having any kind of proper connection to someone is so great. But I had an arranged marriage and I just was, I'm still so happy after all these years. And it's almost like being forced. Was this the cricketer and the redhead in Married at First Sight series six? No, no, I haven't seen that. I know that I would love that. You have to. I know. um, I get what you're saying. No, I do. I do. But, but, you know, and I am relatively cynical when it comes to that stuff I just think I mean for me just for me if I just met someone you know and I did just meet someone maybe only what was it you know four or five months before lockdown but the last thing that came to my mind is let's move in together the opposite it's like actually this might be quite good for us because um you know when bubbles came in we became each other's bubble and whatever but it's like I don't want it to speed everything up so that I don't know if it's real or not. I struggle enough knowing whether things are real already. Yeah, I think it's difficult. Do you know that you must have talked about attachment styles in this podcast? Uh, I've read about attachment styles, but we haven't got onto it in the podcast oh, yet. Oh, right. Yeah, you probably, maybe you have an avoidant attachment style. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as you could tell from my story, I have probably a really anxious attachment style, but it kind of can vary across different relationships. Mm. But... I think an avoidant would be like, no, 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 no. We're not ever... Like, everything I, you're but saying... So, is- you're, you know, 
you're alluding to or suggesting or how I read it is that potentially it could have been extra romantic to be thrown together yeah. with someone in the early days of lockdown. Yeah, I think as an anxious attachment style person, it's like, that would be so fun. But you obviously... But imagine the first day you move in together and the door shuts behind you and the guy says to you, what are you doing here? Like you did when you turned up from... <laughs> no, exactly. I've actually been, I think, in my early years, when I was younger, basically, I had so many intense feelings and stories like that, like getting an overnight bus for someone who like didn't even care. It's a very dolly, to bring her, she's getting a lot of airtime, but it's a very dolly story. Like in her book, she talked about uh, getting a 250 quid Uber, I think, up the country to see a dude. Oh, really? Because I yeah. actually haven't read her book because I'm so afraid of people accusing me of plagiarism. Sure. No, because as soon, I read like the first paragraph and I was like, if I don't read this, no one can accuse me of plagiarism. Yeah. If I just say I haven't read it, yeah. because I could tell we're quite similar. Um, I just, I've been taught, I've been conditioned by a lot. That was me at quite a naive age. I've just had the experiences. I've met more men probably like you. Situations where people get freaked out or like, you think it's one thing and they think it's another thing. And I think I've come to a much better, more cool, like rational place of, which is so boring. Like I, I would never do that trip to Oxford thing ever again, something like that. But I now just see things a lot more clearly and rationally mm. and sort of learn to put a lid on that side, which is healthier, but, it's, you know, you're not going to do a podcast about this. <laughs> uh, interestingly, interestingly, I don't think you should say I would never do that again because I, I think if it's... I mean, I, I almost feel like take... You, you know, you almost... I look back to my kind of first relationship or two or whatever and I just feel like you have to kind of put them in a separate box. I would do it now if it was like absolutely for the right person and it was mm. like you know you're in this equal space and it genuinely would be this appreciated romantic thing and so I would never suggest or I, I don't think you should say I would never do it you should still keep yourself open to those huge romantic possibilities that's so sweet and I actually you're like the first, that's actually been something I've needed to hear because I think I've just had so much internalized embarrassment from things like that there's nothing embarrassing about that at all it comes across really really sweet mm. It's just like I did a treasure hunt for someone once. Oh, that's really yeah, nice. Yeah, across like uh, she had she. I told her to meet at a place in St Christopher's Place, and yeah. just off Oxford Street. And then uh, there was a then uh, I must have sent her a text when she got there. I was secretly hiding. <laughs> sent her a text when she got there, and then she had to go to like Jane Packer, the flower place in Selfridges. Picked yes. up a flower that had a card in it that where she had to go to a. Um, like a Radisson Hotel bar nearby. Ooh. And then I told the barman at the Radisson Hotel when he sees a blonde girl walking in with a flower um, to hand her a room key and I was up in the room. Oh my God, that's amazing. But that was when I was 24, probably, yeah. 25. So, you know, that was probably, you know. But I, she must have appreciated She loved it. it. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, I think if I had this track record of doing things like that and, it's, and especially, I don't know, I just haven't had anyone do anything like that for me. And when I have done something like that, it's always gone a bit wrong. And whenever I feel like a bit too keen, I'm now like allergic to that feeling. Like mm. in my, I've really trained myself like not to be keen and not to care too much. And yeah, you're doing a lot of training of yourself. You've, yeah. you've talked about, you've talked about kind of telling yourself how to behave rather than instinctively behave a lot. Yeah, that's so interesting because that hasn't, actually hasn't come up that much in my life as something I talk about. But I, you're, my, God, this podcast is very revealing, isn't it? Um, do you know what I do I do exactly the same so I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example so you know I'm like I'm thinking I want to say to you be more instinctive right but as an example my girlfriend who we met 
you know, last October, when we met, we were both in very much like a, we don't want to be in a relationship place. And we kind of set boundaries and said we want to be able, able to be with other people and all this kind of stuff. And I've admit, admitted this to her since, so I don't feel bad saying this. Mm. But basically, I was really into her. I knew I was. But I also knew that I was a danger to myself, as in, if I get drunk, I'll send her a message saying, do you want to hang out? And then she won't reply because she'll be with the other guy she was seeing at the time or whatever. Mm. So I deleted her number every time. Wow. And yes. then if she wants to see me, she and she would on a Saturday, she'd be like, do you want to hang out tonight? And we would. And then yeah. we'd hang out. We'd have an amazing time. And I'd delete her number again. That's and such I would a good idea. Keep, well, it is. But also it's not. It's going against what I'm saying about being able to be free and instinctive and intuitive. But also I just knew that I could ruin this. Yeah. 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 So like we're all capable of both sides. I'm just saying like for my I feel like sitting across the table to you, I want you to be more like, just believe in yourself and be instinctive and allow these romantic things to happen and it'll come good. And at some point, you'll, and maybe you already have, but at some point you'll meet the person who's in the same place at the same time and it'll happen. But meanwhile, I'm in a good place because I made, at least partly because I made decisions like that. So Yeah, but it's so interesting because it is, it's so alchemic, like what it, attraction. And you do, ha- you can't be too keen all the time, even if you do feel that way. Because- yeah, you can put people off yeah, and- while just liking them. Yeah, exactly. So doing things like that is actually really helpful because also our phones and, and the internet now, like our ability to constantly contact each other is not cool for like the trying to play it cool situation. If mm. you know, if you know that everyone's always on their phone all the time, it's completely different to like just being able to get a letter like every time the postman comes and that would make being aloof so much easier but it's very hard to be aloof at the moment and so I do think it's good to do stuff like deleting the number or you know I will just put my phone if I'm texting someone I like I'll just put my phone away I go and watch a film and like just I put it on airplane mode like I just don't want to know that's a good call as well because also it's almost your endorphins your chemicals doing it for you your hormones doing it for you it's like you before you know it you've written something whereas if you'd had your phone away and been able to give it a few hours and thought oh okay so I don't I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But equally, I know it's totally, you know, contradictory. I almost am angry with myself for having had to do that. And certainly when I admitted to my girlfriend, she was, I think I got a sense from her that she was very, A, very surprised and B, like slightly probably disappointed in me because it showed a lack of strength, I guess, probably. But I I think it's really romantic because I take those things as like, oh, my God, I'm going to be so keen. That's so nice. You'd love to hear that. Like, I I cared about you so much that I was like probably going to mess it up. Yeah, and it might just be my negativity on myself where I'm thinking that her reaction was, oh, he wasn't as strong and laissez-faire as he came across. Uh, Do you see what I mean? Oh, I thought Barney just was a cowboy. <laughs> I was <laughs> roaming. such a cowboy. Yeah. No, I think it's lovely, I'm yeah. sure. I'm, I think it's very, very sweet. And I think it's something that phones have really managed to ruin a bit. Death to the phones. Flora, it's been yeah, an amazing sorry, story. I just I need to ask you one question before yeah, I go. What, so how long after... Um, Turning up at his door, were you two together before it ended? Like, I just need to finish mm. off the story of that first, of that, your second relationship, I think you said it was, right? Yeah, I think it ended um, probably quite, an, uh, probably like three or four months later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much <laughs> yeah. for coming on the show. Brilliant story. <laughs> thank you. Guys, thank you for listening at home as well. Once again, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, either as yourself or I'm more than happy for people to come on under a pseudonym. If it would make you more comfortable, please email crazystupidlovepod at gmail.com. Also use that email address to send in anything you'd like discussed on the show. That's crazystupidlovepod at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at crazystupidlovepod 
please do press that subscribe or follow button and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And check out my other podcast, It's Your Funeral and Almost Famous. Links are in the description box below. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye.